It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's you, Jamie. Don't be alarmed, but I think there's a guy following you. Maybe we should get that guard dog we talked about? Nothing too scary. Maybe like a Bichon with an attitude? You know, Progressive's collision insurance covers injured dogs and cats at no extra cost, so... Wait, the guy stood up when I stood up. He's on the phone. He's looking right at me. Oh, wait, it's just my reflection. Don't tell anyone about this. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Pet coverage not available in New Hampshire and North Carolina. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, ma. Anything's possible. Rainy days. Jump shot fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day, especially when the season get hectic. I stay waiting on it like receiving a Nets pick. Nothing like the terrible analysts on the TV. So in depth, you might even hear a story on Gigi. So in depth, they might do an hour about the D-League. So in depth, you probably should pay them, but it's a freebie. Yeah, John Corrales and J. King locked on trying to get the 18th ring. So you can miss me with the blah, blah. No more Gino time. We watching Jay do the Zaza. Hey there, welcome back to the Locked On Celtics podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We're here for you Monday through Friday to be part of your daily routine. Thanks for making us part of it. We're the Rain and Jays, John Corrales, Jay King. This is the Wednesday show. Celtics coming off of a disappointing loss, another one, to the Clippers, after which Isaiah Thomas made uh, some public comments about Brad Stevens' substitutions. So, Jay King, <laughs> joining me here with uh, – let, let's just dive right into it. That's going to be the topic for today. So, he, he did it again. He comes out. He, he says, this loss is on everybody. It's on us, the coaching staff, everybody in the locker room. This isn't a time to be experimenting. So, let, you were there. Let's get your take, the, the, the scene, the context, everything. So, it was, it was pretty interesting, actually, because he, he answered a ton of questions – and didn't say anything about the lineups. And then finally was asked about his frustration. And like he was he was distraught in the locker room. He was like like towel over his head. Everybody else had already changed, taken a shower, everything. And he was sitting there in his jersey, towel over his head, venting to the strength coach Brian Dew about something. And it it was very clear he took the loss very differently than he normally takes losses. So once he was asked about that level of frustration, <laughs> he went into this answer. And the last thing he said was, you can't be experimenting in game 63, even though it was actually game 64, but whatever. And so, like, he, it wasn't like he was dying to share it, but it, it seemed like finally he decided to share that. And, I mean, here, here are the two things. One, I think he was right. The lineups were strange. The one lineup with Rozier, Smart, Brown, Young, and Mickey, which had never been used all season, was a disaster. And I think most people could have predicted that wouldn't have gone too well. Not everybody would have predicted that Jamal Crawford would go as bonkers as he did. And obviously things went as badly as they could have gone for the Celtics. But that was that was not a good lineup to begin with. And then the one with Jay Crowder at center against DeAndre Jordan, like just kind of, 
bizarre decision. So, I, I mean, you understand where Isaiah Thomas is coming from. Obviously, he shouldn't have said it. <laughs> like, like, those are things you have conversations with Brad Stevens about and you talk to him about. And you don't want to throw – because you're not just throwing your coach under the bus. You're throwing your teammates who are the, the young guys in the, those lineups under the bus too. So, obviously – Best case scenario, he wouldn't have said that at all. But we've seen this a lot of times with this Celtics team. After losses, and especially after disappointing losses where they throw away leads or, or whatever, these guys are, are really competitive and, and really reactive. And sometimes their minds being in the right place leads them to the wrong place. And I, th- I think that's kind of what happened with Isaiah. He should have kept it to himself. But instead, <laughs> we get some fodder for the podcast. Yeah, I guess. And the question, I suppose, is how often is he going to do this when it, before it becomes a problem? At some point, Brad Stevens has has to talk to him and say, look, I get it. You're frustrated. And it's, he's well within his rights to be frustrated. And I don't want to make this sound like uh, – one of those, you're the player, you sit down and do what the coach says, and you have no right to talk. Like Anybody who had that hot take today, which I'm sure was happening on, on the radio from time to time, that's, that's wrong. This, is, this isn't CBO, high school, college, and that dynamic. An NBA player has the right to say something, but say something to the coach privately and, and not you, you shouldn't be putting it out in the media like this and it's happened enough where I feel like it's, it's up to Brad to, and he will never know if he did this really, unless Isaiah spills the beans. It's up to Brad to say, look, I get it that you're frustrated, but enough is enough with taking this to the media because that just opens up distractions that we don't want. And the next time is going to be the last time, or this is going to be the last time. And the team should probably start, finding guys for for saying this stuff to the media like there has to be a line where you say bring your frustration to me if you feel like you're frustrated then don't talk to the media you know we'll tell jeff twist not to put you out there we'll have to put somebody else out there and you can go vent in the back well well, here's the thing and i think first of all i want to state that brad steven like with horford and jarebko both out he was like those lineups. Yeah, they were experiments, and yes, they weren't his best decisions. I think, and and the results bore that out. But it was also with those two guys out, it was like like really tough to keep big guys. Sure, on, especially Kelly Olynyk hasn't played particularly well lately. Tyler Zeller, since getting sick, has been pretty pretty harsh, <laughs> um, and Amir Johnson if you want to stretch someone out is not the best option. So Brad, Brad was put in a tough position as far as the lineups go. I, I will say this about him too. What he's really good at. And um, among the, the long list of things he's really good at is making sure that things don't become bigger issues than they are. And Isaiah Thomas saying this stuff. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's neat to talk about. It's something that he probably wishes he had kept to himself it's something that has popped up from time to time. You know, he said something after the Warriors game where he thought the coaching staff had quit. Now, you know, a couple months later, he says this. 
Jay Crowder has said a couple things over the last couple of years too. But Brad is really good at at talking to those guys and and refusing to blow something up. Like this is something that it's a really small thing, but it's a small thing that I think can help to splinter a team, a locker room, a relationship between a player and a coach if you react to it poorly. And I, I, I do think Brad Stevens is really good at, at not reacting to stuff poorly. Like he'll he'll be really level headed about this. He knows Isaiah's just frustrated. He probably knows shit, I didn't do the best job of of creating the rotation. I probably drove him to become as frustrated as he is. So he'll he'll call Isaiah into his locker. He probably has already talked to him. He probably talked to him on the team plane, you know, minutes after the game, after seeing tweets about Isaiah Thomas's comments. And and it's probably like he's he squashes issues like this really quickly. I don't think it's it's a big deal. I don't think inside their locker room it will be a major distraction or a major deal. I do think it's something that could have been avoided, whether by Stevens making better lineup choices or the players playing better or Isaiah Thomas just not deciding to voice that particular frustration to the media. So, And I, I saw some stuff about Isaiah Thomas not being accountable. Isaiah Thomas is very accountable. When he doesn't play a good game, he says it. When he has too many turnovers, he says it. Like he he has gone out of his way to credit Brad Stevens for his success. He has gone out of his way to credit Al Horford for opening things up for him, his other teammates for the improvements they've made that have helped him out. Like it, this is not something where he believes he is better than everybody. Oh, well, he probably does believe he's better than everybody else. But it, it's not something where it's like he has this huge ego, and that's that's where this is coming from. No, no, no. Like. He, he holds himself accountable, and in this case, he held Brad Stevens accountable. And and I, I do think he was right about the, the qualms, but it's just the the way he voiced it just shouldn't have happened. That's the big thing, and, and this is I'm – not, I'm not putting any – I'm not trying to make this a bigger deal than it is. I don't think it's a huge deal. The problem is, though, that – it's it happens multiple times and when it happens a few times a season like by now th- this this can't happen again th- like if it happens again then the stories come out like well do the Celtics have a problem in the locker room does Brad Stevens have a hold of this team like this is the breaking point to me and i i will i will say like he in the next question or two questions later he said, Brad's a really smart guy, and usually he does a great job with the rotations. Like, this isn't a huge no, problem. It was just a I one-night issue. Totally, I totally understand that. I totally understand it. I'm talking about perception. I'm talking about optics. I'm talking about just for the overall feel in the, in the, in the mainstream media. When it, like, you and I know. Like, there, the, there's no difference in the relationship between Brad Stevens and Isaiah Thomas today than there was last week, you know, before the All-Star game or any of that. But what we don't need is members of the media, especially members of the media who aren't normally around the locker room. Like, I'm not expecting a Bullpet or Himmelsbach to start running with with these storylines, but you never know when a Shaughnessy is going to start 
you know, roaming around and start asking these questions because, and he started to, he, he was on TV today or on the radio today talking <laughs> about that. Like once you get the Shaughnessy's of the world involved, now you're starting like the professional trolls are out and that's what we don't need. Like we just don't need to have that swirling around. And, and that's just a simple little thing where Brad and Isaiah, like Brad just needs to sit with Isaiah and say, look, I get it. I, I'm sure Brad Stevens would probably sit there and be like, I probably should have called the timeout. There was a stretch there where that, that lineup was getting decimated, decimated, and he wasn't calling a timeout. He wasn't stopping the flow. He, you know, he wasn't doing anything and just letting it happen, and that's where we all had our frustration. But after the game, that needs that one line about the coaching – just it needs to be said privately. That's all. And it's not that Isaiah was totally wrong about it, but Brad Stevens is really, really good at not throwing his guys under the bus. No matter what uh, Isaiah did or whatever, Brad Stevens is really, really good about taking the blame for losses and spreading around the credit for wins. And I think just out of a courtesy, even though he's probably taking hits for things that aren't his fault, Brad Stevens. I think Isaiah needs to kind of recognize that sometimes and just say, all right, look, in that situation, coach will cover for me. I'll cover for coach and we'll just say the right things. Give the, even give the canned stock answer that a lot of us don't like. We don't need this, this ancillary crap. I want him to keep being honest, man. (laughs) From my perspective, it's great. Give me more stories, Isaiah. Just be honest with me, man. <laughs> just, I, I just don't. I just don't think this uh, this level of just just this thing with the coaching. I don't know. It just that that part. I don't know. It just seems a little a little much, and and that's all. It's not and it's not a big deal. It's it, again. He's not. He didn't say Brad sucks. You're right. He said afterwards like Brad's Brad's great and all this other stuff, and. Even on the Bill Simmons podcast, where he's he's talking about how awesome Brad is and the the All Star game pregame speech that he gave and how how much all the players loved it. There's no doubt that he's he's called called Brad Stevens the best coach he's ever had. So it's not that we think that there's any animosity, but it just it's just that one little thing that we just don't need the repeated frustrations about the coaching. Like and, that. And look, if you play 82 games and uh, you're playing games every other night, you're losing what 24 losses now they have. Like I, you're going to get frustrated at some points and at some level like you have to expect some of this during the season. I don't think it's a huge deal. I think anyone who thinks it's a huge deal is overreacting. You know what I, I do th- think it's it's a headache that could have been avoided and that that's it. You know what I think made it worse? If they didn't lose to Phoenix the way they did, then because it was Isaiah, I know they gave the turnover to Jay Crowder, yeah. but it was Isaiah missed the free throw. Isaiah let the ball go through his hands and they lost that just gut punch of a game. If that game didn't happen, then a lot of people wouldn't have had the, wait a minute, Isaiah, didn't you just blow a game yourself? So you should, you should just shut up about the coaching. I think that was a dynamic that was going on today as well. To be fair, he had 14 points in the fourth quarter of that game, so it's sure, but you know, blew it. <laughs> you know, sure, it's like so. There, there's just a lot of layers to this. There's always I, a lot of layers to all of this stuff. Yep. So, not not a huge deal, but definitely. 
And, and I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it happens again. Like, <laughs> <laughs> this is kind of what the Celtics do. It's like every once in a while, Jay Crowder says something or Isaiah Thomas says something. And then Brad Stevens handles it perfectly and it goes away. And it's, I mean, by the end of the season, I still think they're the heavy favorite to land the number two seed, given the schedule that they have moving forward after Golden State and Denver to finish out the road trip. Mm -hmm. And people will forget all about this by the end of the season. But right now, in the middle of it, it just feels like a somewhat big deal. And and that's that's how the season goes. The season is up. The season is down. One second you're beating Cleveland, and everyone wonders if you can give them a run in the Eastern Conference. The next you're kicking away games against Phoenix and L.A., and everything seems like it's horrible. So right. the NBA season is is just a fascinating, entertaining beast, and I, I would not. I would not switch my job for anything, man. I, I love this crap. <laughs> <laughs> Isaiah Thomas did admit, uh, again, on that Bill Simmons podcast, that he's playing with a bigger chip on his shoulder, and he's a little more frustrated. He's got a little more edge at this point in the season than he did in the beginning of the season, which he attributed to, uh, he said flat out, quote, I'm sick of the doubt. He's So he's, at this point, I think he he hears all the things that people are saying. He hears the talk about his defense. He hears everything, and he's at a, a breaking point. Not, well, not a breaking point, but he's at a point now where he's playing with much more of an edge. You can see it. He's he's reacting more to things. He, he also you, admitted that he sees that teams are playing him harder. They're bumping him more. They're putting him on the ground more. So a lot of this is happening at the same time that – uh, Isaiah is is frustrated with the the physical play, and he's trying to adjust to that. He's got a little bit more of an edge about everything that's going around uh, around him, and he's probably pissed off. And yeah, as much as he's pissed off uh, at what that we were all pissed off about at the end of the third quarter, probably pissed off a little bit about uh, at himself too. Probably a little bit for the end of that Phoenix game, and and for not being able to pull a comeback uh, against the Clippers. So. Big crazy dynamics. Look, Jay, you've been traveling like crazy. I know your your flight was delayed again. Yeah, so I'm coming. I'm coming to you guys from Tim Bontemps' apartment, <laughs> <laughs> Washington Post writer Tim Bontemps. I, I got like his, his people have to tweet Tim Bontemps. Man, his apartment is a mess. This man <laughs> has a, this man has a. Oh, I'm I'm in his. So right now it's me and Adam Himmelsbach at his house, just. And just coming to meet up with him. We haven't seen him in a while. And, and they're outside in the living room. I'm in the bathroom to record, or the bedroom to record this podcast. And he has an empty roll of toilet paper on his bed. His bed, people. So please, please tweet Tim Bontemps. I got to tell what you. What the hell is going on? Now I'm going to call you out a little bit because there is no off the record with you. There is none when it comes to I, the. Every little, like the little things, like you put me on blast a few podcasts ago when I when I did the big like dramatic clear my throat. You're like, ah, screw that! I'm putting that in the beginning of the show. That, that was a good one. Man. And then you're just you just called out Bon Temps for just being like what traveling and having a messy apartment. That, the apartment's really not that bad, but <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm gassing that completely. But You're sharing texts, our texts with the public. Yeah. Although I did have a yeah, my text, that was a good text. Empty roll of toilet paper on his bed. So That's people have to tweet hilarious. That. Tweet that to him. All right, go hang out with the guys. <laughs> I, you've been going crazy, and, and flights have not been going your way. So that'll wrap up this portion of the show. There's more to talk about, though. 
with Al Horford, the injuries, a little bit more in the injury talk, uh, a little he bit more in the against Golden State. Hopefully, let's hope. Let's hope. Uh, but I talk about a lot more of this with Rich Kimball on the Pulse in Maine. Uh, I'm on his show regularly on Tuesday afternoons at 4:30 in Bangor, Maine. So if you don't, if you can't tune in. Uh, we shared on our on my Twitter on his Twitter. Rich Kimball is at Downtown Rich K. But I'll add that here to round out the podcast. Thanks for listening. This is the Locked On Celtics podcast. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Yeah, Jay King and John Corrales. Locked On Celtics. Millies. Next up on Downtown, it's time to talk Celtics, our weekly visit with John Corrales of RedsArmy.com and the Locked on Celtics podcast, here to uh, make us feel better about what we've been watching over the last couple of games, right? Oh, really? That's what we're supposed to do? Okay, let's give it a shot. Uh, Yeah, well, good luck with last night, because that thing was just about seven kinds of ugly. Yeah, they, they played so well in the first half, and... It's just like I've been saying for the whole season on this show is when they're not at full strength, they're not really that great. And they haven't been at full strength for this road trip. Once again, you have, well, they had the the big blowout win against the Lakers, which was nice. But then Al Horford hurts his, his elbow in that. And they sit down Avery Bradley for the Phoenix game. And next thing you know, that blows up in their face. And then last night at the end of the third quarter where the Celtics had the game in control for a solid 60% of the game, Brad Stevens throws out this inexplicable lineup trying to figure out a way to just get through the last few minutes of that third quarter, and it all just falls apart. And you just can't have Jordan Mickey and James Young and Terry Rozier out there on the floor trying to contain Blake Griffin and Chris Paul and, and, and a, a very good Clippers team. That thing went from 13 points up to down big in a very, very quick hurry. So they, they just they need to be at full strength to be the quote-unquote Celtics that are the fifth-best team in the NBA. Yeah, after the game, Isaiah Thomas, uh, pretty frustrated with things. He had 32 points and a, and a good night, but he was even questioning some of those lineups that were out, with, out there. But the guy, you know, Brad Stevens has uh, limited guys uh, to throw out there and had to put some interesting lineups together. But was, was there a way around that? Well, it's, I can see both sides. I really can. Isaiah Thomas frustrated because you had the Clippers who are – a good team who was getting healthy. You had them. You had an opportunity to bounce back from that crushing Phoenix loss to beat the Clippers. And, and that was an opportunity there that he probably feels like was lost. And I'm sure he feels like he wanted to play a lot more, but on a back-to-back, you have to keep these guys healthy and you have to keep them ready for the long term. And that's something that the Celtics are going to stick to discipline-wise. So I can see why Brad Stevens was just trying to get anything. Look, these guys are on an NBA roster. They're supposed to be NBA players. You have to be able to contribute more than what they've contributed over that stretch there as as bad a lineup as that was. And, man, it was horrible. I, I do have questions about Brad Stevens keep staying with them for that long or not calling timeouts to kind of reset things and stop the momentum. So I, I can feel Isaiah Thompson's frustration. But I can also understand that 
without Jarebko and without Horford, two major, major pieces to this puzzle, why he has to come up with another way. And, and you shouldn't have to worry about five minutes of Jordan Mickey completely throwing off the, the entire game when you're up 13. But here we are, and, it, and there's a lot of frustration in that locker room. We've seen it over the course of the season, too. Frustrating losses, Isaiah Thomas and Jay Crowder, the two main guys are going to step up and say something to the media afterwards. We're talking with John Corrales here on Downtown. Uh, you mentioned Al Horford, the elbow now. Of course, he had the concussion early in the season. Is there any concern that he's one of those guys who, uh, who finds a way to get hurt uh, more often than you'd like? No, I think it's just a, a couple of weird things. You know, you, you get elbowed in the head, that, that's going to happen. Sometimes you get elbowed in the head and it's nothing, and sometimes it happens and you end up uh, a concussion for four weeks. That's that's a, a one-off. Uh, an elbow injury like that, what are you going to do? Like, these things happen. I, I don't want to hold that stuff against him. It's not like it's a chronic knee, back, shoulder thing. You know what I mean? Like, that stuff, it just it happens. And so if you're going to ask the guy to bang, he's a big, he's going to go in there. Every once in a while, your arm's going to get caught, your leg's going to get caught. You're going to do something. So I'm not worried about him being – I've seen the criticism – but I think this team, again, long-term, they're looking to make sure this guy stays healthy. They've got him on a long contract. They don't want to do something stupid now in a season that they're not really focused on winning a championship. I think they're, they're trying to make sure that he's going to be healthy long-term. That's the whole thing with this season, long-term. So they're being super cautious with them. Sometimes, John, the best moves you make are the ones you don't make. And not that it would have happened with the Celtics, but I'm not sure Cleveland is feeling good about the Andrew Bogut experience now. Oof, man. I mean, that's – talk about bad luck. I mean, here's a guy – now, here's a guy who's broken a bone for the fourth time in the past few years. So, that – he's – I think he's pretty much done. The Celtics, I guess – I want to say dodge the bullet. I don't want to, you know, stomp on a guy when he's hurt, but that's a tough, tough break, no pun intended, for the, for the Cavs. He's a guy that they were counting on to kind of shore things up. They'll have to go in a different direction. It's just amazing. I mean, he, he 58 seconds or so mm. into his career as, as a Cav, and, and that happened. So some, Now, he's, he is a guy that you have to look at as, at this point, very injury-prone, where he even the slightest nick or bump could could put him out for a while. So I know his agent had talked about it was between Boston and the Cavaliers, and we want to revisit that over the summer. I'm good with not revisiting that over the summer. I think Andrew can get healthy and maybe find somebody else, but I'm not comfortable giving him any amount of money to play for the Celtics next year. Uh, Cleveland, of course, dealing with the absence of Kevin Love and a lot of injuries around the league, and suddenly it may be the hottest team in the East are those Washington Wizards. What's going on there? Well, you know, they've, they've gotten a lot of contributions from guys who in the past were disappointing. Again, back in the injury thing, Bradley Beal, who has been kind of disappointing due to missing so much time. And, and last year I was looking at him to kind of do the stuff this year and be a, a most improved player type of candidate. He's healthy. and He's contributing in a big way. Otto Porter, who was very disappointing over the course of time, now contributing in a very big way. And, of course, you've got your usual John Walls playing at an amazing level. I mean, he's People are calling him potentially the best point guard in the league up there with 
Kyrie Irving, and of course Isaiah Thomas. But they're getting contributions from a lot of guys, and, and they're coming together, and they got this momentum going. They're they're really riding this wave. They've got a tough stretch coming up, and I think there's a possibility for that to kind of slow down a bit. So the Celtics just have to hold on to kind of hold them off. But they're they're charging pretty hard, and and they're a dangerous team. Well, the Celtics will try and right the ship tomorrow against the Golden State Warriors, who, of course, dealing with a pretty big injury of their own. Yeah, but they're still the Warriors. So uh, hopefully Al Horford can come back. Look, the Celtics have shown the ability to play with the big guns. They'll go out there against Cleveland, who obviously didn't have love. Yes, the Warriors don't have Durant. That's going to be a situation where the bench has to really step up. And having Horford back is going to put guys on the bench that have been contributing as starters. So that's the real trickle effect. You can, you can elevate certain guys and put Jalen Brown in the starting lineup. You can put Marcus Smart in the starting lineup. That'll work, but what that does is it decimates your bench. The Warriors have given up a lot of their depth to go with that megastar front-loaded starting lineup. So with Durant out and their starting Iguodala, they're thinner, they're susceptible to some size, so you just keep going at them if they're healthy, if the Celtics are healthy, keep going at them and keep pushing the pace. Don't worry about that. Just And, and hopefully the bench, hopefully Olenek and Smart off the bench and Jalen Brown off the bench can continue uh, doing what they do and, and pushing uh, a lead, if they have a lead, up in the second quarter and ho- hopefully holding off the Warriors at home. They're susceptible, but it's still, you know, still the Warriors. So, <laughs> he's our Celtics guy. Every Tuesday afternoon, John Corrales, RedsArmy.com, and the Locked On Celtics podcast. John, as always, thanks for being with us. Enjoy the game tomorrow night. We'll check in again next week. I'll do my best. Thanks. Hi, guys. This is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.